Hello and welcome to episode three of our host at home. This week we're going to follow up on what we left open-ended last week. We'll be talking about our latest HMO and how we've just got that tenanted. If you follow Ed on Instagram, you know that we're definitely going to cover the stripe issues he's been having. We'll be talking about how I've actually recently give units back and why. And we've got our guest of the week, pest of the week and topic of the week which this week is how to identify your first deal. Hey, I'm Laura. And this is Ed. Give us a ring if you're looking for a bed. I started putting properties on Airbnb and now I've left my job because I'm earning bad pee. Location, location, I see EMC. Started with none, now we got 50. Pick up the keys and off we go. After we set up, looks like a grand design show. If you're looking to become a property master, then give us a like and download the podcaster. Let's look at this four bed. Can we make it a six? Call up the broker, get our DIP fixed. We're scaling up quick, our portfolio. SA units and now HMOs. You won't get planted. Yeah, that's what they said. We are your hosts, Laurie Dad. Yeah, nice. <laughs> So, a recap on last week for you that we're going to start with. Um, so, Ed had his infamous one-day Liverpool UNUPS, ugh, UNUP unit set up. Um, so, just a bit of a touch on that, Ed. How, how are we going? Do we have any bookings? What's the future looking like for Liverpool unit? Yeah, well, the future on that particular unit is very healthy. Sunshine and rainbows for now. Um so very quickly, we had a long-term inquiry for, conveniently enough, a six-bed. And, you know, I knew we had this on the radar. So this is prior to the setup. I said, look, we've got this. I'll be able to show you photos when it's near enough done. Um, and they were like, yes, this looks fantastic. We're working for, you know, over a year in the area. But we don't want to commit to that just yet. We would want to commit to monthly payments. But first of all, can we go in there, trial it for a week, see if we're happy with it? I said, yes, of course. They went in there um, pretty much a few days after I'd set it up. Um, there were a couple issues that needed to be resolved. I let them know. Um, they kind of got remedied throughout the first couple of days of their stay. Um, and then halfway through their stay, they said, look, we're really happy with this place. Can we definitely commit to long term bookings and then we issued them a monthly invoice and that's what we'll be doing for the foreseeable future um so yeah really happy cannot fault that can we yay we like those ones we've been lucky lately though we've had it well you know it's just i guess you getting better at what you're doing isn't it yeah i mean it's it's i used to think it's luck but it's not and it all comes down to the way we market we attract these people because of the way we look and how we run and the service we offer and yeah that's why why we do what we do and it's clearly working so it happens cool so our property that came back on the market in worcester that we spoke about last week so this was the one that we'd put an offer through um it ended up not happening the poor people had another person put a buy down and then they've fallen through and they've come back to us so we're a bit unsure still on this one aren't we we're like doing a bit of deep diving and digging a little bit more um, yeah, but we're thinking of going back round and doing a visit again, aren't we? Just to remind ourselves and answer some of the questions we've got. I think we're definitely going back to do a visit. I mean, it 
is a very it's a great property it's a great property i think where we're at is whether because we're coming across great properties so often at the moment and i guess we're quite greedy a lot of people pass these on or raise raise finance and funds but i want to keep as much of these properties as we can for ourselves um but we've got other ventures and properties where our capital is tied up with opportunities that are just as good. So it's kind of weighing up exactly what is best and where is our money best deployed. Mm. Um, and we're definitely exploring this one again. It was good enough a year ago to go for. Um, the guy's come back, he wants uh, 10 grand more because he's done Some works, apparently substantial it? works, but there's a few gray areas. So what we actually intend to do is meet up with the local, um, the local council down there who were involved in the HMO application process to see what they think if we are able to stretch and obtain or increase uh, to get another bedroom. But also, we've so Worcester's a new area for us, isn't it? So mm. that's good for us, like you said, because it's, it's interesting to go into a new area, but then obviously we've got areas that we're familiar with that no work, but it's that balance of do you just put everything in one area, but we're kind of looking at spreading out a little bit. But with Worcester, we found there's a couple of different other um, guidelines. There's like additional licenses, aren't there? Licenses, which yeah. is something new again for us to do. It it's based around. I think they've had like a bit of a trend of just like rogue landlords, haven't they? With like not good conditions and living houses, so they're really cracking down on HMOs in that area and just making sure they're up to a certain standard. Yeah, so it's just it's a selective licensing scheme. It's it's quite popular amongst. Uh, a lot a lot of the cities to be fair so a lot of people might be familiar it's just where we operate at the moment it's completely new to you obviously yeah. it's new to me in the fact I've never had to deal with it but I've I've definitely been aware of it um, so yeah but anyhow just because we're venturing into new territory anyway we want to be sure that our plans and our intentions match up with what we think we can do so it's good to get confirmation so we've requested that a um someone from the local council comes out and meets us out on site just so we know where we're at basically and we can be their friend <laughs> yeah. friend not foe well this is it building rapport yes. and relationships is also just as important cool so we're going to go through what's happened this week I, do you, how, how are you feeling on the week calm manic okay avoid stripe but <sighs> yeah I mean the stripe situation to be fair the stripe situation happened nearly six weeks ago <laughs> And, like, I've been, there's many times, like, I've faced adversity, like, throughout this business lark, and I've learned the best thing to do is, basically, you can't control what you can't control, right? No matter how bad of a situation, and this one was really bad because it's so unjust, um, there's no point in, like, letting it not just kill you, but emotionally drain you, and as, as hard and as brutal and as cold-faced as that sounds, sometimes you have to be that. And it's not that it doesn't get to me because it does, but I can't. I kind of like forgot about that and moved it to the side. It's just that I resurfaced it and finally wanted to tell people on Instagram, and it kind of made me just more enraged. <laughs> like knowing people only knew like half the story, and it is an absolute joke. But knowing that or seeing people being like that is crazy. It made it sparked. It just sparked the anger in me again. So okay, well, do, do you want to explain? Okay, the full I'll try situation. to. Some, yeah, I can't. I won't be able to explain the full situation. I won't because there's it goes so far back as to how much of a joke this is. But basically, 
Um, we use Stripe, which is a payment processing system. Um, and they're very good, um, easy to use, the most common one as well, because they're compatible compatible with all systems and all of our other, you know, we've got charge automation, our um, Smoobo, our channel manager, and other means of requesting and taking payment. They're compatible with all of them, right? So it's like a one size fits all for us. Very good, very handy. Um, However, they also, on top of that, claim that they have provide chargeback protection, right? Which is a protection against or for um, for operators like us in this instance, where if the person claims that their card was used fraudulently, because they have had to do two-factor authentication on that purchase or payment. So you know when you like make a payment, yeah, and your uh, phone pops Goes, up says you yeah, need to authorize yeah, it. It's exactly. So that, that's there for them saying, well, look, someone might have a card, but you've also just two-factor authenticated it on your phone. Um, and therefore, that should provide you with protection that it's not fraudulent. On top of that, right, we've got our own mitigations, our own procedures where we take um, guest ID. So I've got the, gu the guy's name and his ID marries up and he signed the terms and conditions, his signature. We've got all this on top of the fact that he made the purchase that got two-factor authenticated with chargeback protection. And this is where it all started. Somehow, he put a claim in saying it wasn't him, it was a fraudulent purchase. What's more frustrating is it was him and he had a party, right? And uh, didn't absolutely trash the place because I've seen places that we've had that have been trashed in the past, but it was pretty bad. It was definitely neglected and not very well looked after. There was drugs all over the shop. They definitely had a party. Um, it stank of smoke, smoking the apartment, etc., etc. So we charged the deposit, and then later he's put a claim against that charge, saying it was fraudulent, and his bank have awarded it, or Stripe have awarded it. But I challenged it with Stripe and said, "How I provided all this evidence, right? How can this be when I've got all this evidence that it's fraudulent? Because it's clear as day that it's not." They basically said to me, "Look, the bank have reversed the payment. We're just." the middleman and that left me fuming because they're providing chargeback protection and just said they, they didn't want to help and didn't want to know this guy has then realized it's worked or realized he needs to be in line with the story and then claimed fraudulency on the reservation payment as well so a week later the reservation payment then gets challenged by the same guy for the same reason i've uploaded abundance of evidence again thinking wow this is a joke and lo and behold, it uh, they seemed to took his side, or Stripe took no side, and the banks just reversed the payment from the merchant, and he got twelve hundred back. He got his two nine nine deposit back. So I was already pretty fuming at that. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, I get an email from Stripe saying, uh, "We're taking a, re uh, a review of your account, and during this time, we froze your um, froze your account. You won't be able to use us or." Um, have access to your funds, which is insane, right? Um, and they're being very vague as to why, because this is only a few um, disputes over thousands and thousands. I think we've got like over nearly 5,000 transactions in our Stripe account. Um, we've put hundreds of thousands through them and a £1,200 dispute, which is fraudulent on his behalf, because I can prove that it was him, has been awarded and they froze my assets and my account, I've had to then go and find a new payment gateway system, 
which has been a bit of a nightmare because none of them are that compatible with our systems that I touched on earlier. And also they froze my assets, which is 52 grand in my Stripe account and said, I'm not gonna be able to have it or access it until February. And this was in September. So I can't believe already that I'd lost the disputes, right? But then for them to take this remedial action on top and freeze my account and freeze 52 grand worth of cash flow, which for me, thankfully I can float it, but there's many businesses that that would just kill, especially in this game as we're heading into, you know, ring Q4, you need that cash flow. I, I can't believe they can get away with it. Um, it's actually disgusting. <laughs> so I kind of just like, wow, okay, I'll have to float this out till Feb. Forgot about it. Um, decided that I should probably challenge actually because it's just not right and I could do with that 50k because we want to purchase properties right that's 50k capital um, you know it's a lot of money so I sent an email at this point I resurfaced it on or I surfaced it on my socials for the first time and a lot of people were also outraged and lo and behold today they actually got back to me and said we will release 80% of your funds to you so they're sending over 42 grand um, which is a which is a win, because at that point I started to lose all faith and trust in Stripe, right? Because what they're doing is wrong. So I was very skept not skeptical because they are a huge company, but it's a bit worrying knowing that they've got fifty k and they're already acting shady. So what? I just wanted my money, you know. I wanted it in my hands where it was safe. So hopefully that'll be coming soon. But it's a huge, huge issue, guys, and I really want people to be aware of even. On the back of the booking.com scandal, people were like, you need to take charge of your own payments. So thankfully we already did that, but you're still not in charge of your own payments because you need to utilize the payment gateway system, the middleman, who who obviously can just freeze and hold all your cash, capital. And you know, it's pretty scary to be fair, knowing that they can just do that at, at such such an unjust cause as well. So yeah, I want people to know and be aware of that, be mindful. Because hopefully, I mean, hopefully it won't ever happen to anyone again or anyone anyone listening going forward. But it is pretty mental that that can happen. And it did happen. <laughs> so that's the Stripe, the Stripe rant. <laughs> but they just emailed you. I didn't read it. I just saw it pop up oh. in the corner. So. Yeah, because I I said to them, that's very nice of you that you've given me 80% of my money back. Can you tell me Thank when that will happen? <laughs> I laughed at your title. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to click off it. But it's like, how dare you hold my money? Good title. Oh, yeah. So, I, I fully Karen. I fully Johned. I went John no, mode. It's a shame you've got to do that to get. I've never John moded because I've never really thought it'd be useful, but clearly to get to get, to get somewhere, you've got to go full John. <laughs> so I'm going to change topic quickly yeah, before fair. Ed ruins our That's evening. Probably half the podcast. Angry <laughs> about Stripe for the rest of the evening. <laughs> Let's be positive. <laughs> so we've got some new tenants in one of our HMOs. Um, so we took them on through an agency, haven't we? Yeah, so the first time, I say the first time, like we're seasoned vets, we're not, but I'm, <laughs> we're very much hands-on, out of greed, I guess I didn't want to give up the 15%. Um, but also, what I've realised is since using agents, I prefer to be more in control. Like, it's weird, I was like, am I allowed to ask who the, who the tenants are, <laughs> what do they do? Um, or do I just trust that they've been vetted by the agent? Um, but we've got a really good rate you know, £3,700 a month. So, Ooh. yeah, cannot complain at that. Scratch on Stripe. Yeah, scratch <laughs> on Stripe. Um, but yeah, really good to see that um, 
well, you know, just get tenants in there and know that that would be... Sorted. Yeah, sorted and generating income thing, moving forward. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Good news. Good thing. Yeah. Um, me- medium news, I think. This is good. Medium news? Yeah, I don't know. What... So we gave some units back. But it's yeah. not a sad or a bad, is it? This you you hit the nail on the head. This we, is medium news. We're, we're thank you, medium news. <laughs> we are scaling back to grow forwards, aren't we? I think when you've started, um, you took we've we. I guess you just don't say yes to everything, don't you? But you're keener when deals come through and stuff. And if we get an opportunity, we're like, wow, that's great. But now. We're in an amazing position where we're starting to look at what we're doing and the ones that aren't making as much, we are scaling back to use that money and throw it into more profitable places, aren't we? Yeah, I think there's a few downward pressures for me. One being, like you said, I was in a different place. These units that we've given back are ones that I took on, yeah, at the very start, where I was much more eager and willing, but mostly from a time perspective, I was willing to devote the time they needed yeah. and attention they needed to get up to spec and maintain because they're older. Um, and now I'm simply, I simply don't have that time, right? <laughs> we don't have that time. We're so busy and they almost become, they're not dead stop. They were still profitable, but like I said, there's other downward pressures. Not as much, pressures. Really. We know what not as much as what we, other areas and what other we can sizes. Do, yeah. yeah. And I think, Considering we don't have any employees, really, or we don't, or anyone, we're pretty much operating at max capacity. So I knew that we'd recently took on, say, four or five units, and I wanted to get rid of um, probably, say, four or five units. I think we got rid of six or seven in the end um, because it's easy just to give them back to a couple of landlords. But also at this time, um, the new fire eggs were also like they're not a massive deal to be honest with you but i knew that everything with where we're at that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back although i was pretty much still devoted and committed to giving them back but that was just an added pressure i suppose um because some of them are quite large properties and quite old so they would have definitely needed works that the landlord would not be um obliged or willing to do for sure so it just it feels it feels right as we just try and elevate our that's a big part of it as well, is you elevate our brand. I don't think they're really yeah, line aligned with what, with what I... Yeah, with the strategies we do and the the product that we, we want to put forward with our brand as well. So, yeah, a few reasons why. but So relieved, actually, but also sad because they were the, the making ones, of the yeah. business. Yeah. And if you, <laughs> if you do follow us on Instagram, these are the properties that got peed in the pots. So yeah. if you do follow us, you'll know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting. Uh, okay, guess of the week. Ed, be positive. You can do the guess of the week because you stripe negative me out. <laughs> i got to counterbalance yeah. it. Yeah. I'll Get do... back to that medium news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guest of the week, guest of the week. Um, it's hard. I feel so rude because I always feel obligated just to go for whoever's gave us the most money that week. But I'm going to not do that this week. I think guest of the week must be... On Friday, we had someone ring my personal number and I didn't know it. And I always get a bit scared when that happens, especially on a Friday evening. He leaves it and goes, and I go, answer your phone, Ed. And he goes, no, they'll leave a voicemail if it's important. And then he looks at the number and then just immediately rings it back. Lord, don't bait me out on the podcast. weird, mate. You don't know what it's like to to know that there's a 90% chance of someone (laughs) 
gonna scream at you when you answer that phone, right? Oh, don't really listen to the voice. You do it to me though. You don't anxiety. even answer my phone. When I I've got anxiety. I've got phone anxiety, one hundred percent. And I really want to be at the point where, you know, that sh- I feel like that should be someone else should be me. doing that. Someone else me. should do that. It's I need, me. It's I need me. An em- I need an employee, right? I just haven't got it yet. I still try and act like I have. Okay. But yeah, you are right. I panic and ring him back because <laughs> customer service. Um, so this probably happened to this guy. I rang him back. And he said, look, we've stayed at your properties before. We've just come up to Liverpool for the weekend and we've been let down. We're looking as an emergency for somewhere to stay. Have you got anywhere? I was like, oh, flipping hell. I think, I'm not sure if we have, mate, to be fair. I'll, I'll definitely check. No, but what price rate are you looking at? He gave me a price rate and there was three, three lads, I think, or four lads. Uh, and they had a really cheap rate. So I kind of said, like, without even checking, I was like, oh, mate, I was like, if we have got something, I'm not sure we can match that. And he was, like, so deflated. At the same time, I had him on loudspeaker. I pulled up my Smoobu Channel Manager app, and I saw, I was like, okay, we've got, we have got one property available. He was like, can you please just, can you please match the rate? Like, this is, we just, we're going through a rubbish time. And at my, at this point, I'm weighing at the pros and cons. Now, I hear a lot of people be saying, well, if it's on the night and you're going to be vacant for the weekend anyway, any money is better than no money, right? And I hear that. That is true. But at the same time, when I've lived by that rule, the people who are paying the, the, the really cheap nightly rates are the troublemakers, man. Um, but I did kind of have a really good vibe off this guy. I said, look, you're still going to have to go for the rigmarole of the IDs, deposits. If you can do that quickly, then I'd be willing to... Um, honour your existing rate and we gave him the house for cheap but what was really nice is just like on the back of it how how much he appreciated it you know I could really hear in the tone of his voice he rang me and was just like thank you so much like you've actually done us a solid and that part of it was was nice and also to know that I guess you know we bagged a couple hundred quid for our client where we wouldn't have bagged a couple hundred quid was good um, but it's more Moreover, it's more nice to hear that people are actually really thankful for your accommodation because we typically, we obviously, most of our reviews are, in, are five stars, but when people ring us, it's typically because they have an issue with things. So it was nice for it to be... A nice one. Yeah, a, a guest of the week instead of the pest of the week. Hmm. There's plenty you of You did them. have to rack your brains there. You were like, nobody's nice. Anyone that I speak to is just always moaning. And I was like, so you've not spoke to anybody at all nice this week. And you were like, no, no one. But and I, I guess... Like, and I remember saying to you, like, what about that guy on the phone? He was really nice. And you were like, yeah, he was nice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess if, you know, people only call you if they've got yeah, problems, right? Problem. That's the nature of it. Well, we need to start looking for nice people mm. more. Um, so, but on the back of that... <laughs> Ironically, pest of the week. There's a play on this. <sighs> pest of so, the week. Did you get it? Pest, pest, pestle, control. What? Oh, he doesn't get <gasps> it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pesto. Pest. Right? Like, pest, pestle control. Pestle control? Isn't that like for vermin? Right, yeah, but I don't understand the relevance. Think of who our pest of the week was. I I know the pest of the week was. There's no relevance to vermin there. Well, foxes. Foxes aren't vermin. Oh, they are. They are pests. Anyway, we had. I'm allowed to say this because I'm an ex drama geek. So we had a drama group staying in one of our properties in Bristol. 
And <laughs> it was quite stereotypical, wasn't it? Of what we thought their stay was going to be like. That we thought there would be some issues and they'd probably ring up about it and be dramatic. Yeah, and it's an unfortunate truth. I don't want to stereotype, but we there's a there's a theatre right next to us, and we actually are on a theatre only, uh, like an online travel agent, like a theatre only OTA, and it's not the first or the last or the middle medium right, time we've had we've had complaints here, and I think they cotton on to the fact that they you you kind of get a second nature right because. They're not complaining for an issue to be resolved. Their immediate go-to yeah. is... Refund. Not even refund. They don't even call it that. They say, compensate. What are you going to do to compensate? What are you going to do to compensate? So at the time... Just to put it short, right? There was a, there was a blanket missing. That was one of their issues, there was wasn't a, it? One of, yeah, the, there wasn't... There was a blanket on the picture and there wasn't... like Not a blanket, like a throw. throw like a little thin it was throw. A throw. Yeah, we occasionally... The, the housekeepers, every now and then that the throws need to be either washed or replaced to take them off but also the foxes had got to the bins outside so they were ripped open and I can appreciate that's not nice because first impressions but these things happen It's a there's a block and people just leave bins outside I said look I'll send someone tomorrow to sort it um, and on the back of that actually we've gone and ordered commercial yeah. bins for, for other people in that block as well because that also isn't the first time this issue's happened but the reason for which they want compensation for, I'm all for working for people, with people, and we do, and we often do, and there are issues that come up and arise that we do and are obligated to resolve. Yeah. But when they're just completely, completely weightless and clearly after compensation back, that, it, it, it makes me fuming. Uh, and I don't even get angry, I don't even bother. They they get super miffed off because all I say is, okay, look, if this property is what you say it is because they use all these crazy adjectives, right, obviously. <laughs> it's just, and I say, I'm dying in there. Yeah, I'm like, right, send me photos, please. And just what they come back with them in real, reality is just nothing compared to what they are um, saying it is like. And I just say, look, if, if this property is this bad, we will give you 100% refund and you need to leave. And then they start flapping, <laughs> right? That's an already an unfair deal on me because we're not going to get yeah, those deals. But I don't want to deal. Out, I don't yeah. want to deal with the stress. I don't want to deal with it. I cannot be bothered to have conversation with these people. And then you saw it. They're ringing me at quarter to yeah. twelve at night, ringing me. All their friends. They get all. They got all the yeah, the whole group. Them, they, they? They're like, oh, he, they can I can't stay here. It's unbearable. Yeah, we can see his online. Missing. Yeah, we can see his online on 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 WhatsApp. And it's so bad. And I just say to them, look, if it's that bad, I'll give you 100% refund and leave the property. And then they start flapping around saying, no, no, we, we, it's too short notice. We can't find anywhere. We can't find anywhere. We need you to compensate us. You either need to give us another place and our money back or just give us some money back and we stay here. And I'm just like, look, okay, I'm just going to reach out to the, to the OTAs. I'm going to let them know I'm going to do that. And this is what they're going to say because they're going to be, they're going to do what's right, right? And it's it just it's just frustrating how people feel like they have a right to just demand money, and it does put you in a really awkward spot because sometimes you have to do like review management, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and the damage it could do to you as a business. Mm, um, but also the time it takes and energy, and it's it's not nice dealing with these these situations, right? These people are so brutal; they don't care. 
Um, so I just say, look, I'm, I'm not dealing with it. You can leave. I'll give you 100% refund. That is the best situation that we're going to come across. And that's a good deal for you. And they're still not happy with it. So, yeah, absolute best of the week. Oh, God, he's stressed again. Um, <laughs> what was good? New tenants. New tenants in the HMO. Positive vibes. Positive vibes. Um, we're talking about something fun now. This is like an agony aunt show, isn't it, for me? Like, I'm just like a little counsellor. Oh, God, Ed's really angry all the time. Yeah. Host at home. <laughs> Horrible host at home. Host that moan. That's host our new podcast yeah. title. <laughs> Let's switch it up. <laughs> this will make you happy because you like talking about these chocolate. things. So, no, it's not. We're not going to be talking about chocolate. Our topic of the week is going to be identifying your first deal. Um, so covering some questions and kind of going through Ed's experience of how he did that and what he's learned going forwards. Um, so last week we obviously talked about how Ed found his strategy and what research he'd done to kind of working out what he'd like to do. And it's now kind of the next step from that. So he's decided what he's doing and then it's now how you're going to identify your first deal. So question numero uno what was your strategy for getting your first property, your first deal? Strategy for getting it? Yeah. Um, as in, what was I looking for? Yeah, I think, yeah. What so was your... because I was super cautious, right, and rightly so, because it's your first deal, I was hooked on this mint, and it is a mint idea, I'll give myself credit <laughs> for that, right? Because I was still undivided whether I wanted to go rent to, so I knew I wanted to do rent to rent, because it was a cheap, easy um strategy to get into and scalable but I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do rent to HMO or rent to SA um, so I was looking for both and then I came across this idea right to put mitigations in place I'm going to get a rent to HMO but run it as an SA and if it doesn't work as an SA I'll run it as a HMO as a fullback and then if it does, if that doesn't work I'll be able to just let the property out anyway so I was really sure that I put all these layers and mitigations in place that if it all went tits up, like my mum and dad and everyone around me said it was going to go, <laughs> then I wouldn't be too, too, you know, too bummed yeah, out. Positive and, still. Yeah, well, not, well, I just wouldn't lose, I wouldn't be losing too much risk mitigation, simple as that. So I was really looking for this hybrid approach of, I'm going to get a rent HMO, so uh, a large property um, in which would work as a HMO on a rent to, H- rent to HMO basis and figures, but I'm going to run it as an SA to try and, um, enhance and increase those returns so i need to pick an area in which it works for rent to hmo and rent rent to sa and then based on that i was like well where the hell do i start (laughs) and my brother was up in liverpool obviously very buoyant turbulent cities are the the natural go-tos but you just need to be careful of saturation and stuff um so i started looking around there and lo and behold it, I've, I found a deal. And that, that was just where I went up and smashed. It, the numbers worked. I ran it through so many times, so conservatively, worked as an SA, worked as a HMO. And that was what I really wanted to focus on. And, and that was what I was looking for, to answer your question. <laughs> okay. Just answered all of my questions. Oh, no. Right, good night, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So... You've said Liverpool because your brother was there. Well, I mean, but obviously there's so, going to be more to that. So, like, yeah, what would you look for in an area and why? Like, you're trying to identify how, why this is going to work. So, so, what do you look for yeah, even now? I, as an overview, I was looking not just at Liverpool. I was looking everywhere. So, firstly, I wanted to be ensure there was a demand. So, I was looking for high turbulent, um, big cities, right? You know, Birmingham, Liverpool, Manchester, probably around the media. Uh, 
around the Midlands because that's kind of where I was situated. I wasn't I wasn't living there then actually. I don't know why then. That was just my go-to cities, I suppose. A lot going on. Um, and but then when I started like drilling down on the research, I found out okay, well what you really need to look at is just because there's area and activity, you need to make sure there's amenities. And within those cities, there's also like little ecosystems of where different pockets of the places work better for different types of people. So whether it's corporate, contractor, travel and tourism, and the other bits that goes with it. So, you know, like where is it congested? Where can you get parking? Where are the trains, bus routes, etc., all form part of whether that property is going to be great. There's other... Um, other like magnets such as for Liverpool you've got the fact that there's three universities huge two football teams very big so you can start to bank on not entirely and not solely but the fact that yeah, these sure. yeah these magnets are going to pick up and pull up your units as and when right so mm-hmm. for example our properties in Anfield again uh, are backed or not backed but a mitigation in place although we're not aiming for that is if oh, the cool. Yeah, if the if the contractor market don't work, well, we know every every week, every yeah. two weeks, yeah. we've got football, um, so stuff like that. I think that's a really good point to cover because I'm obviously more novice than you, but like a lot of people come to me, and I think before I met you, I thought like service accommodation and Airbnb was just holiday lets. So I have a lot of people that come to me, and they're like, oh, I've I literally had one this week, and they were like, oh, I'm looking to buy a house in like Malvern and rent that as an essay. They're like, what do you think? And I was like, well, I can't tell you straight away. Like, obviously, go and do your research. But I was like, who are you going to get? Like, I think when we looked at Cotswolds the other day, that was more of a luxury one for us. But straight away, we were, like, fishing, shoots, like, whole market where it's going to be longer, more expensive bookings. Um, So, like, a strategy for you for going for, like, the contractors and then having that football as the weekend. And that's, like, something that's been really good for you, hasn't it? And... Yeah, and it, well, and it, and again, I, sh- I should probably touch on it because you highlight a great point. What I was actually going for and the strategy I was running back then was both the both the because it, it is hard when you're a newbie as such and you just you only you can't really see beyond the use case of Airbnb beyond what you use yeah. it for. Yeah. So people like us, we only use it to go and stay, stay travel right? and tourism. We yeah, can we stay. Can the so it's hard to think that anyone else would be there's a market for anything else, yeah. but there's a huge market everywhere else. And what's better is everyone who's getting involved can only see this part of the market. So that part of the market gets saturated very quickly and you see all these beautiful properties to try and bring in travel and tourism, right? Mm-hmm. So they spend a lot on decor, they spend a lot on refurbing it, the spec, and then you probably get a two-night booking at a very competitive rate. Nah, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, that's not the way to run a profitable SA business. If Well, I mean, you can do. But it's not what we do. You know, we target long-term contractors. To be fair, our units are not specced out to the max. You know, that's what that's the reason why we're able to to set them up pretty quickly. I know what our demographic yeah, wants. And to go even further than that, there is times where I've noticed, right, the psychology the psychological behaviour within the HR people or bookings people that make the bookings for these contractors, because it's not them who make the bookings, it's someone in the office. They don't want to pay beyond for something that they think they don't need. So if your property is super fancy, right, they think they're paying a premium because it's super fancy. Mm. Whereas if it's relatively basic, I don't mean not nice, right? Yeah, Our properties just... are still really nice, but 
but they're not. You see these. It's just cr- hotels, isn't it? You see these crazy ones out there. Yeah, it's, it's clean, the difference between a three-star hotel or, exactly. or a five-star. Like exactly. it doesn't have a spa, it doesn't have a swimming pool, but so, it's so got a bed wardrobe. It's more attractive to them yeah. because they don't think that they're therefore paying a premium on something that they're they're not using or looking for. So it's quite tough to get your head around. But anyway, back to my point because I digress severely bad. <laughs> um, I was running like a hybrid strategy, not only on a hybrid property because I wanted it to be. SA with a fullback of HMO, but then within the SA, um, my hybrid strategy was bank on contractors Monday to Friday, and then premium prices on the weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and that's what worked very well for me in cities such as in such as Liverpool. Um, and then when you get more familiar and more experience, um, what I can safely say is the weekend increase nightly rate in Liverpool is very high compared to um, some other cities obviously I don't know about the whole UK but for example compared to Birmingham maybe the nightly rate increase on the weekend is of a percentage rate is much more um, is in Liverpool the increase is much more significant um, so you can really capitalize on that so question then how do you know that how did you find that what tools did you use to research what rates were going to be better what why that was good to go there? Yeah, good question. So a lot of people talk about like Air DNA and now Price Labs tool they have, which is a similar sort of thing. I think to, to gain um, occupancy rates and nightly rates of of other people's properties in that area and the region. Um, it's a great indicator, but please only use that as a tool and not as complete guidance because you are of operators like me and plenty of other operators who will be skewing that data. For various reasons, you know, we leave our calendars open even when we have long-term guests to generate leads, for example, and um, other people, including us, are running like the double calendar strategy. So that data can be skewed. So please don't rely on that. If you want to utilize that as a tool and an indicator, please do. Um, Well, feel free to, and, and I would advise that, but don't rely on it entirely. They're the two biggest tools. But I, for me, you can't be just going on and having a look at yourself, yeah. making your own judgment. Okay, based on reviews, is this an active Airbnb? Look at the calendars, try and make bookings yourself, see what type of strategy they're going for. Go and get like 10 comparables, see where you're at. And that's the best way. When I first started was to go and get a real feel for the for the market, was to go onto my Airbnb myself instead of trying to download and interpret this data, which people... You know, I see all sorts of cool mint analytics that look mint and make people feel good, but realistically, the data in which you're interpreting is not true data. So you're kind of you're failing at the first hurdle. But if you know that, you can still utilize it as a tool, just not wholly. If that answers your question, it does. <laughs> okay. So we've identified area, why and how to research that area. Bedrooms. What What were you? When you were looking for your first deal, what do you, what bedrooms were you looking for and why? Again, this has stayed with me from start through to finish and thankfully proven myself right. Um, everyone was kind of really booked out by anything more than three bedrooms. And I think it's because they um, feel that need, like they relate to themselves when they yeah. book an Airbnb. Well, I only book for weekend like... Weekend with the girls. Weekend, yeah. yeah t- one or away with a couple. Um, but those one, two beds, maybe three beds are super saturated because all the blocks in the city centre are all one, two, three beds. So I was like, I want to move away from that. And as I touched on earlier, I want to have the contingency in place of being able to run it as a rent HMO if needs be. Um, so therefore, you know, minimum five bedrooms was where I'm at. And for me, the best property is still a minimum of five bedrooms. 
because that really worked in my favour when it came to um, often the contractors will have a price per head that they're allowed a budget. So say if they're allowed £30 a night each and you put five in, you can charge a nightly rate of 150 quid, right, for Monday to Friday. And then say again a five bed and you've got five double beds, even with even without splitting those into singles, there was times throughout the summer, in, as soon as I obtained this unit, we had five couples who were all willing to share. So 10 people come into our house and they would very much expect to pay £100 for the weekend each. So you're talking a grand a weekend. A grand a weekend and then £500 comfortably from Monday to Friday, £1,500 a week. You're talking, you know, 6K revenue. And then the higher properties are just like, which is everything I thought but wasn't sure. <laughs> It was, I was never sure of, right? Yes, this is working. Yeah, so it started working. I was like, oh, oh my geez. God, I'm a bam, genius. Bam, 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 bam. I was like, I need one of these every freaking week. And that's what happened. So that's, I guess, covered um, my next thing I was going to ask about, like, like nightly rate and occupancy. So I suppose you did touch on that when you were saying, like, look at other Airbnbs, like, do your market research and stuff to look at what occupancy, but just take it with a pinch of salt, like you said, because we do sometimes re-advertise and, and for you to know what your nightly rate is is all just market yeah, research exact, wasn't it the exact same those tools will give you an indicator of occupancy rates and nightly rates but again should never be relied upon and just as a quick tip I'm hoping that everyone's got these SA, cal SA calculators they're pretty much readily available now out there but if you haven't hit me up I'll be um, I can more than I'll be more than happy to share you mine um, and it within which if you're kind of breaking even at 50% and you've been conservative with your numbers and true and honest, no point skewing the numbers within your calculations to try and to try and make it a deal for yourself because you're emotionally invested in getting a deal. Mm. Please don't do that. That is the biggest fall down of everyone starting. They make and fabricate a deal out of numbers that are not real. Be conservative. And if you're still making profit at 50% occupancy on your calculations with a conservative nightly rate, and an exaggerated expense sheet, then you're in a good place. Um, I would say 50% break even slash profit is where you need to be, and then take 70% as your likelihood being conservative. And then for us, um, you know, it's more often than not we far exceed those numbers, but I wouldn't even contemplate or want to risk taking on a deal um, that didn't ma marry up to. 50% break-even, 70% healthy profit. Mm. So just a little tip to throw that out there, which is also fairly industry standard, but for yeah, anyone no, who might good. not know that, it's, good, it's helpful. Case. Yeah. And then my last question was just to touch on, like, market rent. Um, so I don't know, if when you were looking, did you have, like, a figure in your head of what you were looking for in a property? Were you familiar of what to pay in that area? And, like, what was your budget? Or had you, had you budgeted per room or kind of just... I don't know, I guess, what budget were you playing with and how did you figure that out? Yeah, no, it's a massive good question. And similarly to the nightly rate when you need to be conservative, you know, you need to squeeze your expenses down and try and push your revenues up, right, which makes sense. But people inflate their revenue and they then think, or they inflate their expected revenue and they then think, oh, it's okay that I can now pay more for this property. Whereas I have always had a rule of thumb, I will not pay more than market rent for a property. No way. I will not do that um, because that's not a good rental deal, is it? Mm. If anything, I want to find a good deal. And, I, and I've been able to find good deals and and then 
often as well been able to pay market rate and um, providing that I know that property is going to do well and bring in the revenue then fine but a lot of these sources that's where it all comes from they sell these inflated crazy potential revenues and then they're therefore going around saying to the landlord yeah but if you I know you want I know you want 900 per month, right? But if you give it to us, we'll get you 1200. We'll get you 1500. I see some rents in central Birmingham and Manchester and they're north of 2000 pounds a month, right? Which is ridiculous for what we're trying to do. You're going to I'm not saying it's impossible, but more often than not you're going to kill your own margin and these people are mugging mugging you off. You're being mugged off somewhere. Um depends on the size and the spec of the property, of course, but Market rent is what you need to be doing. And I know people get sucked into, because when they, for the large properties, they're like, oh, well, if he rented out as a HMO, he'd be getting this much. I'll pay him nearly to that. But then essay it and make more. And it's just not a good model, not a good way to look at things. You need to be paying what a family would pay, a family rate, standard market rate, and which is hard now because they've just been super inflated. So... Margins are really being squeezed, um, but please don't pay beyond what a family would pay to rent that property. And that's where it ends. <laughs> Standard market, right. Boom. Well, you have covered all my questions, lovely. I feel like Piers Morgan when I do this. Wow. And, and I like it when you get a good question. I'm like, yay, I've done, I've done well. <laughs> yeah, um, and other people off Instagram. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So we do. We are firing what topics we're talking about um, each week. So if you want to follow us on Instagram at... AJ Property. Then do. Have a look at what our topic is. And then if you've got any questions or you're looking at doing this or you're already doing it and you want some tips and hints, please fire us questions. If we can't cover them, we'll try and do them in, in other ones because we've got a big plan of what we're going to cover. Um, so thank you very much for joining us again and listening. Hopefully you found it useful. Yeah, I hope so. Anything you'd like to? No, again, as always, I just further extend and forward your thank yous. Gracias. Gracias. Um, Have a lovely week, everyone, and we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.